Senate Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. And uh, today we have uh, before us Susan Coppage uh, to head the tip office for state. And uh, I'm thrilled that she's here. I uh, just came from a meeting this morning. Uh, I was over at a church here on the hill. Um, there were people here from all over the country to push the legislation that we unanimously passed out of the Foreign Relations Committee under your leadership uh, as chairman of the End Modern Slavery Initiative Act. And um, it was pretty overwhelming. I know uh, I try to stay out of pulpits. Um, uh, this was the only place from which I could speak today that had a microphone, but uh, it was pretty overwhelming to see the numbers of people up here who care so deeply about this issue from all over the country. And, you know, the issue of trafficking in persons and slavery is something that's it's not a Democrat issue, it's not a Republican issue, it's not an independent issue, it's just a moral issue. And it doesn't take, you know, major decision memos that sit on President's desk. It just takes all of us vigilantly um, fighting to make sure that we deal with this most abhorrent, abhorrent thing, and that is trafficking in persons, but also the whole issue of slavery in general. So I just want to say to our committee, I'm, I'm so thrilled with today's hearing. Um, I'm, I'm so appreciative and proud of our committee for what we've begun to do, and I think we have some momentum around this issue. But uh, Susan Coppage's nomination couldn't come at a better time. Um, I don't think there's anybody that uh, was a part of the briefing last week that doesn't believe there's at least some degree of integrity that we need to challenge relative to the 2014 tip report, 2015 tip report. Um, I, I'm sorry, I just, uh, something's amiss there. Uh, I want to thank Senator Cardin and Senator Menendez and Senator Perdue and others who were there. Um, I'm sorry, I don't think we've had an advocate at the state. I know we haven't had an advocate. We haven't had anybody in the position since November of 2014. So to have somebody of this caliber um, who is absolutely first rate, who has lived a life uh, around this issue and has been so committed uh, is just... Uh, makes this a great day for our country. And uh, I hope after her testimony today, we'll move quickly to have her confirmed. Um, I'm thrilled that she is here. Um, and I think with her and her breeding some integrity, but also some advocacy that's been missing in this program, uh, we'll do a lot, not just to, to restore, if you will, our preeminence in the world around this issue. I'm sorry, I think we've lost a degree of that uh, that has nothing to do with our nominee. Uh, I actually believe we're on the verge of doing something relative to slavery um, that is going to show real U.S. leadership. And so for that reason, I am uh, very pleased that Susan has agreed to, to be nominated and to go through the process of this hearing and hopefully to assume uh, this role, which is so important to people around the world that live in poverty. and. Uh, Basically, let's face it, they have no access to the criminal justice system because they just, they just don't have the ability, unlike people like us that are U.S. senators and people in the audience that have status in the world, 
Um, so many people in poverty just don't and therefore are trafficked, uh, are abused, and lives lives that, uh, of complete misery. And our nation can do something about it. And with Susan's leadership and the TIP office, uh, to me, it's one of the essential building blocks to make that happen. So I'm sorry my comments were so long. Um, I'll turn it over to our esteemed ranking member and thank him for his lifelong commitment to human rights. Well, Mr. Chairman, I concur in everything you said. Mr. Kovach, thank you very much for your willingness uh, to step forward at this very important time. Uh, this is an extremely important position and will take a great deal of your energy and time. We thank you for your willingness uh, to serve our country. I also want to thank your family because this is not easy on family. We know that. And uh, we, we thank them for their willingness to share you with uh, our country in carrying out one of our most important functions. Uh, Senator Corker is absolutely right. Uh, modern day slavery, uh, this is something that has to end. The number of people who are caught up in victims of uh, trafficking is, is staggering. It's in tens of millions. Uh, the profit to illegal entities by trafficking is in the hundreds of billions of dollars. So we're talking about a huge area of profit uh, for uh, criminal activities and a, a, an incredible um, human rights uh, violation of our time. It is modern day slavery and we need to continue to be in the forefront. I first got engaged in this under the Helsinki Commission uh, where we made this a U.S. priority in the OSCE. And we were successful in establishing a, a trafficking commitment within the OSCE. There's now a representative on trafficking in the Parliamentary Assembly. That person's Chris Smith, our colleague from the House of Representatives, who has been one of the, the great leaders on the issue of, of uh, U.S. Uh, legislation on trafficking. It was, uh, I guess, about 15 years ago that we passed the trafficking in person statute here, which uh, set up the TIP report, which is the gold standard for judging all countries' commitments to universal standards to end uh, trafficking. Uh, I have visited uh, victim assistance centers around the world and seen firsthand those who have been victimized by traffickers. Uh, I've seen the consequences of, of it to families and to, I've seen the labor uh, abuses that have taken place through trafficking. And uh, it has to be our top priority. So, the position that we are looking at today, the person who will head our TIP office, has a critical mission to play because the U.S. is the leadership globally on this issue. And the world watches what we do and how we respond. And our key person would be the person who will have this confirmed position that we are talking about today. And it's critically important that that person be effective in dealing with the Undersecretary for Civilian Security, Democracy, and Human Rights in discussions that take place with that Undersecretary and the Undersecretary for Political Affairs and our regional secretaries as they review progress being made in every country in the world. So that when the decisions made by the Secretary of State on the TIP report, it is the person who holds the confirmed position we're talking about today who has been effective in getting the objectivity uh, of revealing countries' uh, rating, rankings on the TIP report. So I uh, very much look forward, Ms. Um, Miscovich, to uh, your testimony, but also to a quick confirmation. You have Senator Isaacson at your side. 
Um, you couldn't have a person who we are uh, more um, impressed with with his opinions on other people than Senator Isaacson. So we look forward to your testimony, and more importantly, we, we hope that we can move this quickly and get a confirmed position at the head of the office. Thank you, uh, Senator Cardin. We'll now turn to our witness, and as uh, Senator Cardin mentioned, uh, Johnny Isaacson, our great friend uh, and esteemed colleague, is going to introduce her, which makes it almost a unanimous uh, assent on the floor when he does so. Uh, Senator Isaacson, I know you're on the committee, but uh, you know the drill. If you, in fact, have another meeting you need to go to, there's certainly no reason for you to stay during her testimony if there's something else you need to tend to. But we, we thank you very much uh, for being the kind of person you are. Um, we are glad someone from your state, which, let's face it, embodies all those values that you do here, is willing to ascend to this job. We certainly look forward to your introduction, and thank you so much for your service. Well, thank you, Chairman Corker and Ranking Member Cardin and all the members of the committee with whom I've been honored to serve for a number of years. I appreciate the privilege of doing a, This is a twofer for me. About a year ago, I had the privilege of introducing Sally Yates to the Judiciary Committee upon her confirmation as Deputy United States Attorney. Today, in front of this committee, I'm getting to introduce Susan Coppish, who studied under Sally Yates to be the Ambassador at Large for Trafficking in Persons, and I'm honored and privileged to be able to do so. There are lots of things I could say about this lady, but the best thing is she has been there and she has done that. In the Northern District of Georgia, in the last 15 years, she has prosecuted 21 high-profile human trafficking cases. A couple of them I'd like to mention. The Cortez Mesa case, which resulted in the conviction of 10 pimps and profiteers from the trafficking of, of young girls, six of them juveniles. Not only did she obtain long sentences, but she got restitution for those that were injured and, and trafficked which was a great credit to her ability. And then the U.S. versus Pipkin case, where she put away for 40 and 35 years, respectively, two of the most notorious criminals in terms of human trafficking that are, were coming out of Mexico into the United States of America. The Northern District of Georgia is probably the gate post and the center post for transit of people from Latin America and, and Central America and Mexico up the eastern seaboard to New York City and New England in terms of drug, organized crime, human trafficking, and uh, illicit activity. She has been the lead prosecutor and has prosecuted a number of high-profile cases, all of which resulted not only in convictions, but in recognition from the U.S. Attorney as for outstanding service. She graduated from Stanford University with a Juris Doctor and got a magna cum laude, which I can't even pronounce or spell, much less ever obtain, from Duke University in her undergraduate degree, in her, in her undergraduate degree, and she's a very articulate, educated individual. But I have to tell you an irony. The day that Secretary Kerry interviewed her for this job was the day Duke won the national championship in basketball. She says that's a good omen for today, and hopefully it'll be a good omen for her. It's a privilege and a pleasure for me to introduce to the committee one of Georgia's outstanding attorneys, one who studied under one of Georgia's outstanding leaders in Sally Yates, and one of which I'm very proud to introduce to this committee, and one who understands the sensitivity of the chairman and the ranking member on the manipulation of numbers in terms of the TIP and is going to be committed to seeing to it. We have unvetted, unvarnished information, and we do the right thing when it comes to those rankings every single time. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Ranking Member, members of the committee, an outstanding Georgian, Susan Coppage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, as usual, an outstanding job. Our witness is Susan Coppage, who's been nominated to serve as Director of the Office of Monitor and Combat Trafficking with the rank of Ambassador at Large, and uh, we look forward to your testimony. Thank you for being here. Hearing today, 
to consider the nomination for ambassador at large to monitor and combat trafficking in persons. Senator Isaacson, thank you so much for that generous introduction. I am honored by the opportunity to appear before you as I am honored and humbled by the confidence that President Obama and Secretary Kerry have placed in me to serve our nation in continuing the global fight against human trafficking. I want to thank the individuals from the Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons, Carrie Johnstone and Carl Fox. They truly have their hearts in this fight, and they stand ready to help me settle into the State Department. I also want to thank my husband, Lorenzo Amato, who is here today. Without his support and love for me and our children, I could not do this job. My father is here, my sister, my cousin, my brother-in-law. Many of my friends from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Atlanta are here colleagues and friends and uh, fellow classmates from Duke and from Stanford are also here. Over my career, I have worked on cases that have assisted more than 90 individuals in leaving their victimization. And in many cases, those individuals participated in the process of bringing their exploiters to justice. I have worked with and trained federal, state, and local law enforcement. I have partnered with NGOs, non-governmental organizations, faith groups, and concerned citizens in Georgia who provide services to victims. Finally, I have educated jurors and judges that modern slavery often does not involve locks on the doors or victims who are willing to come forward. Human trafficking involves more subtle forms of exploitation and coercion. Our goal, everyone in this room who cares about this fight, is to ensure the dignity of all individuals. Human trafficking in all its forms, whether forced labor or sex trafficking, is modern slavery. And it is one of the greatest human rights causes of our time. We must assume our responsibility to stop this heinous crime and to address the conditions such as violent conflict, poverty, and discrimination that contribute to making individuals vulnerable. With the leadership of President Obama, Secretary Kerry, and Under Secretary Sewell, as well as the members of this committee who I know are dedicated to this fight, I know we can raise the priority of human trafficking and strengthen the U.S. leadership on this important issue. If confirmed, I commit to using this position passionately to advocate for the rights of individuals to be free from forced labor or sex trafficking for victims to have access to comprehensive services, for survivors to be empowered to have a voice in policy, and for an end to the trafficking in human beings. If confirmed, I will seek to engage every segment of the U.S. government to integrate anti-trafficking policies into our nation's foreign policy goals. If confirmed, I pledge to do my utmost to uphold the integrity of the annual Trafficking in Persons Report and its tier rankings, including by ensuring that facts from the field are accurately presented in the report. The report is respected around the world and used in countless countries to increase prosecutions, enhance protections, and increase prevention of the crime. If confirmed, I pledge to work closely with the many non-governmental organizations and stakeholders doing critical work in this arena and partner with those in the business community who seek strong policies that ensure humane labor practices. I would like to close with the story of Carolina, a survivor I had the chance to know while I prosecuted her trafficker. Carolina was 16 when Juan Cortez Meza romanced her in Mexico, 
promising her a better life here in the United States. Instead, Cortez Meza smuggled Carolina across the border and gave her the most shocking news of her life. He expected her to sleep with 20 to 30 men a night in his high-volume, low-cost prostitution business. At first, he told her it would only last until her smuggling debt could be paid. Then he told her it was the only way she could make money. Then, when his deception and coercion were insufficient, he beat her to force her to continue. I had the privilege of being with Carolina as she bravely spoke to the federal judge who heard her case, sharing her pain and describing how she cried every night. Only the walls could hear my cries, is what Carolina told him. That day at trial, Atlanta heard Carolina. And today, sharing this story with you, the United States hears Carolina. The indelible memory of her and of survivors like her fuels my commitment to anti-trafficking work. There are many people in this room and listening today who are as passionate as I am. Each of us plays a part in this connected fight in helping survivors worldwide and in supporting governments, non-governmental organizations, and citizens to end modern slavery. I so look forward to working with the members of this committee and others in our shared fight. Thank you again for your consideration and I look forward to answering any questions that you have. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for your testimony and again um, for your commitment to this issue. I think you're aware we had a meeting last week uh, off the Senate floor. We talked a little bit about some of our concerns uh, with the current TIP office. And I realize there's no one there in your position and there hasn't been anyone there since November of, of 2014. But the, the TIP report tier rankings are reviewed and differences adjudicated at the undersecretary level, as we understand it, and ultimately by the Secretary of State. What's your understanding of the TIP office director in that process? Well, my understanding is that the, the TIP office director, the position that I'm being considered for, is the person who first marshals with the office staff all of the facts from the field, who spends the year engaging our missions, the State Department's bureaus, citizens, and non-governmental organizations all report in facts to that office. Then the, um, the ambassador, the director of the office, advocates for the role that the TIP office believes and the rankings the TIP office believes those facts dictate. And you'll commit to uh, assuring that, uh, that the integrity of that process um, is there. I'll just put it that way. Um, yes, Senator. If you're assuming this role. Um, what are some of the kind of things that you think can sometimes come into play to, to keep those TIP rankings from being what they should be? Well, I haven't been part of the process yet, yeah. so I'm kind of watching from the sidelines. I don't want to be a, a Monday morning quarterback and, and critique the team on Sunday, but I certainly can commit to you that I will do my best to ensure the integrity of the report and to let people higher up at the department know that that report needs to be based on facts to uphold its integrity. Yeah, it's our understanding that over time there's been a good deal of attrition in the office, I guess possibly due to lack of focus and lack of leadership. Obviously you'll change that hugely uh, when you assume that role. Can you tell us a little bit about what your commitment is internally in the office in assuming this position? 
Senator, as part of uh, the nomination process, I have met with the individuals who work in that office, and I am very impressed by their dedication to the fight against human trafficking. They work hard, and they care deeply about the issue. And I hope to be a good leader to them and a good champion for their report, and I look forward to working with the individuals who are there. One of the things we all do, we, we uh, I had dinner with Senator Purdue, Purdue last week, and we were talking about the fact that you know, just the experience of being in other countries over a period of time ends up creating a body of knowledge that um, is second to none. I mean, it's amazing. I think what all of us have learned by going to other parts of the world, understanding culture, seeing what's happening there. It's my understanding that the, the, the TIP office uh, has had a limited travel budget, and because of constraints, there, many of their officers aren't out doing those things, and obviously that affects things in a big way. I just wonder what your take on that is and what your commitment to people getting out and seeing on the ground firsthand what is happening. Well, I do think it's, it's very important to get into countries, um, particularly ones that are in a, in a position to make a difference if they have a visit from U.S. officials. And I'm committed to going to countries and doing that, and I do believe that that meeting people face to face and building those relationships, working not just with governments but with citizens and non-governmental organizations in the country who frequently supply information to the TIP office, meeting those individuals so that they know they have an avenue of communication to reporting facts in the field as well is very important. And I think I'm well situated, having been on the front lines in prosecuting these cases myself, to talk to people about the hurdles and the obstacles and suggest ways that we've overcome them here in the United States and I look forward to doing that in the field. And what is your understanding of how the action plans for each country uh, is developed? Senator, my understanding is with the recommendations that are in the TIP report that everyone can read, that those recommendations form the basis of the action plans for the countries. And the U.S. is certainly encouraging other countries to meet those goals and those suggestions in the TIP report to increase their rankings. Mm -hmm. Will you commit to uh, to working closely with us on the committee and making us aware uh, if at any time you feel um, other forces are at work which are keeping your voice from being heard and the, uh, the primary uh, reason that you be, you're assuming this job is being mitigated because of other forces. Will you work with us in that regard and ensure that that is not the case? Senator Corker, I look forward to working with this committee because there are so many members on it who are passionate and dedicated to the fight against trafficking. I look forward to open communications with this committee. Well, listen, I, before I turn to Senator Cardin, I just want to say again, to have someone who, uh, like most of us here, uh, know individuals, have met individuals, have defended individuals, have uh, caused justice to come about for individuals, uh, assuming this role um, certainly is something that's uh, good for our country and great for those uh, who, again, don't have today access to justice. And I hope you'll take the same commitment, uh, I think you will, relative to what you did in the case you described earlier. I hope you'll maintain that and carry that with you to the State Department if you, as you assume this position. And uh, I want to thank you for your willingness. I want to thank your family for their willingness. I understand they may actually move to Washington if you assume this role. We thank them in particular for that. And uh, uh, with that, I'll turn to Ranking Member Cardin. 
Did, Thank you, Senator. Did Clark. Senator Isaacson know he might be losing some Georgians from this? <laughs> we know how to deal with that. <laughs> well, let me uh, again welcome you, and uh, I just really want to um, underscore the point that uh, Chairman Corker made. Just to, as I understand the process on the uh, rankings, uh, there the work that you do in your office, working with the missions around the country. Looking and working with the NGOs and working with uh, as much information as you can get, the factual uh, circumstances in every country, uh, and the objective standards we use on on uh, on rankings. Uh, the initial work is done and accumulated by your office. <clears throat> that then works its way uh, to uh, determinations as to whether there is any disagreement as to the ranking for the coming year uh, on the TIP report. My understanding is that normally about 80% plus of the countries, there is no disagreement and those rankings just routinely are accepted by the secretary and included in the annual TIP report. But there are a number where there's some disagreements and the disagreements usually occur between your office and the regional uh, secretaries working through the, the, the various missions. Uh, that then is elevated to the undersecretaries and the Undersecretary for Civilian Security, uh, Democracy, and Human Rights is advocating on behalf of your position, um, and the regional secretaries have, will usually advocate on behalf of the, the mission. The, your role is to take a look at the human rights issue of trafficking. The regional secretaries may have other areas of concern in relationships with countries that they must take into consideration. Trafficking is just one of the agenda issues. So the point I just really want to underscore, as that process moves forward, it's critically important that the director have input into the Undersecretary for Civilian Security, Democracy, and Human Rights so that the principal objective used in determining the rankings are their progress made in trafficking. And that's where we need a strong advocate and an effective advocate. Uh, in order to achieve that, you need to build support for the trafficking agenda. And I couldn't help but think, as you were talking about Carolina, that that's exactly what you need to do. You've got to put a face on this. When I talk about tens of millions, people say, okay, what else is new? But when you talk about an individual who has gone through the, the tragedy of being trafficked, that motivates people to understand why this is important. So I guess I would urge you to look at creative ways where you can build stronger support so that your recommendations will have stronger weight with the undersecretaries as they make their recommendation to the deputy secretary and the secretary of state. And you need to find, I hope, creative ways, working with the NGO community, to be able to personalize this. It affects all of our communities and that we can do something about it. And it starts with the U.S. objective evaluation of every country's efforts and what they can do to improve their efforts. So I guess I, my point is that just, I, I know you're, you're, you're committed to this, but I want you to understand you're going to reach some barriers in getting the results that you want because we have complicated relations with countries around the world. And they're not just human rights issues, they're other issues. I wish I, we have a meeting with the Chinese head of state coming up on Friday. Uh, 
and I would hope the human rights would be top on the agenda. But somehow I got a feeling that cybersecurity and maritime security and all those other issues are going to be uh, talked about uh, at greater length than some of the human rights issues that I would like to see elevated in that discussion. It's your responsibility in this position to be able to elevate the trafficking issues as these debates take place well before the decisions on the, the rankings. Uh, just get your reaction as to how you will try to carry that out. Well, I feel like that was a great pep talk for me going into the job on things I need to consider and work diligently at. I know that relationships are not built just at the time the TIP report comes out and that I want to build those relationships throughout the year at the State Department. And I want to integrate human trafficking along with those other issues that you mentioned because there are multiple parts to, our, to U.S. diplomacy and human trafficking needs to be an integral part and one of those parts that is considered. And, and as Senator Corker said, look, you, you have a lot of friends on this issue. You have friends in, in the United States Senate. You have friends in the NGO community. Just, you know, utilize the, the strength we have. I'm, I am proud that this issue has gained a great deal of strength through advocacy groups around America and around the world. And you need to be the, the leader to, to focus us on where we can be the most effective in helping you. Uh, if we know where problems exist in the political structure to make progress, then we can help you in doing that. On the other hand, if you feel, well, that's not your role, we may miss an opportunity. Your independent, objective information to us becomes critically important. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Carr. I, I just, I think what he's saying, I'll say it in a little different way. Look, we're going through a period of time where this issue is, I'm sorry, not, not a focus. Um, in Syria, we haven't done what we said we would do, and people are dead, and people are leaving. Um, in Malaysia, I don't know exactly what's happened, but uh, I don't think the tip office was heard at all. Um, I don't think the issue of trafficking in persons has even been on the radar screen in modern times. I'm sorry. Um, it's a blight on our country, and you're entering at a time when all of us want to see that change. I think that's what he just said, but with that, Senator Isaacson. <laughs> Well, let me follow up on that, Mr. Chairman and Ranking Member. I'll tell you, in preparing to introduce uh, Susan, I was reading some of her history in terms of cases. In the Cortez Mesa case and the face she put on that case, which you bragged about, one thing I didn't say in the introduction, which I should have, and she probably wouldn't volunteer on her own, but in her 15 years at the Northern District of Georgia, she has spent a lot of time advocating on behalf of people who are victims of trafficking. In fact, the Rotary Club of Roswell, which is the second largest Rotary Club in Georgia, where David McCleary has heard her speech at that Rotary Club about five or six years ago, I think. They adopted human trafficking as their number one issue. And that Rotary Club has raised money, has traveled across the country, has worked to try and raise the awareness of that. And I think that's what you both are saying. It's out of sight and it's out of mind. And Susan, you have a tremendous responsibility. We're politicians and we make a lot of speeches and we can talk about these things, but sometimes they're heard, sometimes they aren't. But if you can tell those stories, those 21 cases you prosecuted in the Northern District of Georgia, like Pipkin and like Cortez Mesa, and tell the stories about really what happens to these people, it'd do a world of good to help us raise that visibility as well. Secondly, 
in reading background material, you've taught, as I understand it, in New Zealand, Australia, and other countries with regard to human trafficking. Have you worked with their judiciaries or their legislatures or their prosecutors? Tell us about that. Yes, Senator, I've worked with training law enforcement, both locally in Georgia, federally in the United States, and internationally in New Zealand, Thailand, and Argentina. And I was sent there, probably with State Department money, to talk to law enforcement about the difficulties of investigating and prosecuting these cases. Law enforcement everywhere is overwhelmed with people coming forward to them to report crimes where human trafficking victims don't always come forward. So there's a lot more work on law enforcement's part to uncover the crime. And then the victims are often afraid of law enforcement or ashamed of what's been happening to them. And so they f are fearful of coming forward and working with law enforcement. So when I was in those countries, I was talking to law enforcement about how you move through some of the obstacles in prosecuting those cases. I was also stressing a victim-centered approach in the investigations and prosecutions. We never had a case where a victim wasn't willing to cooperate um, in, in the Atlanta U.S. Attorney's Office. But if a victim didn't want to pursue a case, it's the victim's rights that should prevail in that instance. You know, sanctuary cities have gotten a lot of publicity in the United States over the incident that took place in San Francisco, but am I correct or incorrect? There's some sanctuary countries for human traffickers that exist today on the face of the earth. Senator, I'm not aware of that. I know there are some countries that don't comply with minimum standards, and they're reported in the Trafficking in Persons report. And that's the kind of information we want to make sure we have the, the very best information possible on the TIP report so we don't mask what might be somebody actually harboring human trafficking elements. Yes, Senator. We're proud of you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Isaac. Senator Menendez. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Ms. Coppedge, congratulations on your nomination. And I must underscore that if Senator Isaacson comes and vouches for you, it has an enormous weight, at least with the senator. And I think that is true for many others. I, I don't think he just does that because you come from Georgia. Uh, so um, that's very meaningful. You and I had a good conversation. I just want to follow up on a couple of the things that we talked about. First of all, while I know you weren't there, I hope you have an understanding of why many members of this committee have a concern about the 2015 TIP report as it relates to Malaysia, from my perspective as it relates to Cuba and other countries, where the narrative of why a country was upgraded from a tier three worst standard to a tier two just doesn't fit the upgrade. So, from, from just without commenting on whether it's right or wrong, you have an understanding as to why members have a concern about the 2015 TIP report. Is that fair to say? Yes, it is, Senator. I've been following all of your hearings on this matter and reading the articles as well. Okay. Hopefully it's not in the reruns at night on C-SPAN where you're, you know. Uh, let me uh, ask you, uh, uh, knowing that, knowing what the concerns are uh, as it relates to the upgrade, how do you, uh, how do you plan to appropriately, but nonetheless, push back? I'm looking for someone who is going to be a staunch advocate for the work that the people from the TIP office do. They do an incredible job. Uh, I think it's difficult uh, when your work gets crushed from up above to still have the uh, passion and the commitment. It has to be diminished somewhat. And so this office needs a leader who will not only lead in the work and make sure that the information 
is uh, as full and as transparent and as powerful to reflect the realities of a given country. But it also needs a leader at the table inside of the department, whereas uh, has been said by Senator Cardin, there are competing interests. And personally, I would, as much as I might disagree, I would be more respectful of the competing interests being said that, look, we, we need, for example, Malaysia in the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We think that's important to our pivot to Asia. I might disagree with that, but at least I respect that. Uh, we need uh, this country because we have a security objective. So I can understand those. I cannot understand when we are told carte blanche that in fact there's upgrades because they did the right thing. I find that really hard to believe. So with that as, as the basis, I want to get a sense of what you will do internally uh, in the State Department in this process when your people have come to conclusions and now it's time to advocate, how strong of an advocate will you be, understanding that you will have superiors uh, that may have a different view? I just want to get a sense of that from you. Thank you, Senator Menendez. I will be a champion for the individuals in the TIP office and the work that they do, and I will be that champion year-round. As part of my job as a federal prosecutor is to take the facts, present them to a jury of 12 people, and convince them that those facts are a violation of the law. And that's very similar to the work that the TIP office does. They gather facts from the field, they present those um, to the State Department individuals who make the decision, and convince them where the tier rankings should be. I view my job as to speak truth to power, and if power doesn't like to hear it, then I can be outranked clearly in the State Department, but I will speak that truth. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, one thing is presenting facts to a jury. The other thing is, did you ever in your 15 years of experience at the U.S. Attorney's Office face a set of circumstances, and I don't need the specifics of it, but I just want to get a sense, face a set of circumstances in which something was taking place that you felt that you had to speak out? Look, it could have been something that should have been prosecuted, that, this, that there was a judgment maybe not to prosecute, or something that was going to be prosecuted that you felt there was a judgment that it shouldn't be prosecuted, or anything like that that you had to face in those 15 years that was not the, the easy flow of saying okay, but that you actually faced a, a moment in which you felt that you had to tell your superiors, I, I think this is the wrong judgment. I have told my superiors that, Senator. I am a squeaky wheel, and I present the facts in the, in the way that I see them, and I argue for my position very forcefully. Luckily, in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Atlanta, we have had excellent leadership that recognizes that no one case is worth um, tarnishing the, the reputation of justice in our community. So the office has been very supportive when I have spoken up and felt strongly about issues. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you... Um, Will you work, I heard your answer to Senator Corker, but I, I want to understand, if this committee and members ask for information, will you be willingly uh, disposed to give that information to members of this committee as we are making decisions? I am committed to open dialogue with this committee throughout the year, not just right before the TIP report is, okay. is released, and I look forward to working with the committee. And so uh, am I to take away from your answers that underneath that southern genteelness that I gather from you, there is an iron will uh, to do what is right here? 
There is an iron will to do what is right because of the individuals that I have met in trafficking cases. They don't have a voice. You senators are their voice, and I will remind you of that, just as you've reminded me of my responsibilities. All right, uh, then I, with, with that uh, understanding, I look forward to supporting your nomination. Thank you, Senator Menendez. And I might add, behind that New Jersey tough accent, there's a guy that actually, <laughs> there's a guy that actually cares about people uh, in this type of situation. Uh, I do want it for the committee. Mr. Because, Chairman, I'm glad you're an interpreter for the committee. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I, in her case, I need to be one. But uh, let me just say, uh, we, we did have a meeting at the end of the week, uh, relative, a closed meeting. We did that for the benefit of the State Department so that we would not have media there and other things. I have since that time asked for three specific uh, pieces of information from them just for you to know because I know people will be asking you that in the hallway um, to really understand what has happened. Instead of it being sweeping three very specific things that came up actually during uh, Tony Blinken's testimony, I do hope they will provide that like now, we're, we're accepting, we're asking for them to reply immediately that this shouldn't take any time to get to us. And if not, then um, I would like to talk to the committee about next steps to, to force that to happen. I just want to make you all aware, I think most of us are very unsatisfied with uh, the testimony that occurred last week. With that, Senator Perdue. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and welcome, Ms. Coppedge. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for the courtesy of our, our visit last week. I, I want to remind, the re or for the record, remind those of us here that this issue could have been swept under. We could have taken that TIP report, put it on a, on a uh, shelf, and uh, let it sit there. I want to commend uh, the ranking member, Senator Cardin, and uh, our chairman, uh, Senator Corker, for not letting that happen. And I think the fact that you have four of the most distinguished senators of our time sitting here before you today, and I'm not, in, I'm not one of those, these four gentlemen are very dedicated to this issue, I know personally, and they've got other things to do this morning, but they're here because of this nomination and how important it is. Um, and I applaud all of them for that. Um, I'm honored that, uh, Mr. Chairman, that our nominee today is from Georgia. I've watched her for the last decade uh, attack this with a vigor. I think your question, uh, Senator Menendez, should have been directed toward her husband to see if she really has the iron will. I suspect that she does. Um, but. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I applaud the work you've been doing. You're coming on a new level now and a new stage. And uh, I, I want to clear uh, a couple things for the record that we talked about last week. I've, in my career in business, I've, I've been very sensitive to this, this idea of, of taking advantage of the weak in our societies around the world. And every culture is a little different. This is a major impediment to me for international trade. And one of the things that make us one world and a peaceful world is the fact that we don't take advantage, we don't stand for people who take advantage of the weak among us. And yet children for the last 50 years have been definite victims of uh, global issues and power struggles around the world. Today in this 15 report, I'm not asking for your opinion about the 15 report, but I do want to talk to you about children soldiers. Um, child labor has been a topic for the last 50 years as globalization has taken root and so forth. A lot of progress has been made. In children's soldiers, though, I'm not so sure that much progress has been made. There are eight countries in this TIP report, countries like Burma, Congo, Nigeria, Somalia, uh, South Sudan, uh, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen, are listed as countries who have forces that openly have children soldiers. I know you have a, a sensitive um, spot in your heart about this, 
Um, this is a little bit different level than what you've been dealing with. And not all of these countries um, are on this, this year's report's worst level. So my question is, as we look forward, will the fact that um, uh, Tier 3 countries that have children soldiers, is that a major issue with regard to countries uh, being placed on Tier 3? Well, Senator, child soldiering is certainly a horrible issue that everyone is against in this room. And I am glad that you brought it up. And the TIP report does list every year countries that engage children as soldiers or children as workers in their, in their armies or armed forces. And that's required by the Child Soldier Prevention Act, which governs this area. It is listed in the TIP report, and it is certainly one of the factors that is evaluated in the report when looking at the tier rankings. Are you hopeful we can eliminate that? I'm hopeful we can do lots of things, Senator. <laughs> that is on the list. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, along with that, you've heard discussed here today, and I think one of our concerns looking at this 15 report is the efficacy of the report. It should be the gold standard that we and others can depend on when we evaluate countries in terms of where we put businesses, how we deal with them in the State Department, and how we think about them here in Congress. But we, we now learn that in this report in 2015, there are several countries that just don't comply. Several years, Germany has not provided information. Now, we, we have no reason to suspect they're not a continuing Tier 1 uh, operator, but the fact that they're not providing information gives me pause. The fact that India, again, has not provided information, uh, they, they are still solidly a Tier 2 player uh, in the report. How will you and your role help to maintain the efficacy of this report, not just to, non, to make sure it's not politicized, but also to make sure that the participating countries provide the information that's so important for you to make your determination? So one of the factors that I understand the TIP report considers is whether the government provides information and data, because that is the best source of prosecutions and support being provided to victims. And that if no information is forthcoming, then the TIP report and the office has to assume that they're not doing, um, they're not doing, making efforts in that area. So I know that that is built into the review of the report. I also understand that we get information from um, civil society in a country and NGOs as well, but certainly governments are encouraged and, and requested to provide information. You know, there, there's a reported um, tension between JTIP and the Regional Bureau of State and U.S. missions overseas that go back to JTIP's creation back in 2001. Some observers contend that while JTIP is praised for raising the policy profile of human trafficking, its ability to project its anti-trafficking messages as a priority is hampered by its perceived unequal footing vis-a-vis -vis the regional bureaus at state. How will you resolve this? I mean, this, is, this, is, this goes across all the responsibilities at state, it looks like. How will you weigh in to make sure that doesn't negatively affect our ability to evaluate these countries? Senator, I will work to build relationships with regional offices and with our missions in the field. They are also a great source of information to the TIP office about what's going on with respect to trafficking in that country. I want to get the trafficking message clearly out to the, to the regions and the missions and, and just build those relationships up so that we are on equal footing with um, other offices there. Obviously, there are competing priorities, as Senator Cardin recognized, but JTIP, TIP office, needs to have a, a loud voice at the table um, and someone that individuals are willing to work with, and I will strive to be that person. Well, thank you for your answers, and congratulations on your nomination. Mr. Chairman, I look forward to fully supporting this nominee and, and her impact on this report going forward. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. <clears throat>
I don't think there are other questions. I think people have had time to meet with you personally and very much appreciate your willingness to do this. Uh, the record will remain open for questions through the close of business Wednesday. If you would answer those promptly, it helps in you ascending to this position. I know you'll do that. And again, thank you and your family's willingness to do this. With that, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.